0: Hi, this is Lori and
1: this is Rachel
0: welcome to Tales, Tales from, from the Rockside rock
1: A second. Huh. I know, we're
0: back after the holidays. We're back, baby. I know, I hope everybody had good holidays. We had good holiday. Yeah,
1: we did. We had some, uh, we celebrate Christmas, so we had some Christmas dinner and some New Year's dinner and got real fat, so feeling we great. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're back to dying. Now we're back. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah,
0: so much fun. Yeah,
1: glad we did that. <laughs>
0: and we got all the Christmas decorations are down. And yeah. We're back to the new year. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah,
1: happy New Year. Happy 2020. I hope yeah. your vision is
0: good this year. That's right. I was
1: hoping mine would just instantly go, like, snap to 2020 vision, and it uh, super didn't. So that's
0: cool. No. No, it doesn't work that way. Well, Sorry. that's stupid. <laughs> I wish it did. I loved having good vision when I did. I've a, never had good vision, so I don't know what
1: that's like.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I remember when I had good vision when I would wake up and put
1: my contacts in. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was going to say. It's, it's 2020. How do you feel about it being 2020? Do you feel like you're in the future?
0: I mean, I feel old. That wasn't the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cause like I remember, um, cause this is, this <laughs> back in my day, like I remember being like in that time frame where we were thinking about when it turned into the year two thousand. and oh, like, yeah. You know, you'd calculate how old you're gonna be then, and oh, that's yeah, yeah that's true.
1: I didn't think about that. Yeah,
0: and. uh. And now, it's 20 years past that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, time keeps going. I
1: know. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, okay, so 2010, I was art, I was in high school. Yeah. And I saw, like, a couple people do that, like, where were you at the beginning of the decade versus the end of the... De-? You know what I yeah. mean? And I was like, bitch, I was in high school. I wasn't, like, some of these pictures were, like, of kids. And I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yelling you to
1: stop. <laughs> yeah. I was like, in 2010, I was literally... No, fifteen. I was
0: yeah. fifteen. The only ones that like really warmed my heart of those was like the trans people because then you. No, that them, was cute. You know, that was sweet. Their true yeah, no, that was really, really sweet. We saw. Yeah, I saw
1: some lovely friends have those, exactly. and that was really cool. Exactly. Uh, I didn't mind seeing some people too that like I've only known as adults. See them as like youngins or like, or like, see them in their 20s because I know them now in their 30s. That was really cute, sure. Because I was like, Oh my god, you look like a baby! Yeah, yeah. And then I looked back at mine, I was like, Oh boy,
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) 2010 was a rough year (laughs) for for my hair, I think. Yeah, you were kind (laughs) of no, I think I was, yeah, yeah, I think I was mostly out out of it, yeah. 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 So it was back to brown, yeah. And it's 2010, so makeup was, yeah rough
0: (laughs) that was fucking rough but your 2009 looks are very entertaining those are good
1: 2008 (laughs) maybe 2007 to like 2009 or some wild hair days yeah big hair yeah big hair big bows yeah lots of eyeliner Yep. a lot of selfies taken at the angle of uh myspace which was above your fucking head Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) But that's okay. Those yeah. pictures are fun, so
0: I don't mind. A lot mind. of hair extensions, too. A lot of hair
1: extensions. I had a lot of hair extensions. Yeah, you did. I paid fucking money No, for... you
0: didn't. I paid money. No, I paid, I paid for I some of them. you that. did buy some Yeah. Of them. Yeah, because yeah, I kind of refused at some point. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I paid fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild. Wild.
0: Anyway, wild days. I suppose we should get to the podcast. Yeah, probably. We can't just reminisce really for, for ten years. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Rambling about. You MySpace. Know, <laughs> yeah. scene look.
1: I mean, whatever. If you want the scene podcast, let us know. I guess <laughs> that's a weird statement to say, I but mean, at
0: some point we'll we'll probably do some of that music. Yeah. for sure. Like
1: MySpace bands and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, well, and also just that whole you know pop punk kind yeah, of. Yeah, that era. You know, there's some of those bands that I really really like, and I still I like still some of enjoy the songs. some of the yeah, songs. Yeah. yeah, I
1: think that there's still some really hidden gems in there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll be real. Paramore still going fucking strong. Yeah. Well, and I
0: made like a playlist on my. Oh post- yeah. Yeah, on your personal one, yeah. Uh, Spotify. It's, At uh, Lori Card on Spotify, yeah, if anyone's curious, of,
1: she's got so many playlists. Yeah, I like making playlists. She loves a good playlist, so those are pretty fun. Yes, so if and you want to sp- follow hers, you're more than
0: welcome to. Speaking of Spotify playlists, for every episode of the podcast, I do a corresponding playlist on yep. the Tales from the Rockside uh, Spotify, Spotify. So, if you want to. Listen to it while you're listening to the thing. You could probably do that, you know.
1: Probably. If you have the mental capacity to do that, I'm impressed.
0: Or listen to the playlist after you've heard us right. talk about the person and get a little more insight into very true. the music. Very, very itself. true. So, anyway, today I'm going to talk about Joni Mitchell. Joni! Which I promised in a previous episode that I was going to yep. tackle her. She's, I took she's the time be... over the break. Too. Yeah. To work on her. Yeah,
1: she's got like a fucking book in front of her. Yeah,
0: yeah. And she if you don't know Joni Mitchell she's an amazing songwriter and a singer who, she really kind of operated around outside of the norms. She yeah. didn't like there was a couple times where she tried to do a little more commercial of a stuff but it really wasn't or you know the thrust of her interest to do that. She was yeah, like it forged her own path. Yeah, it wasn't what she mm-hmm. was dedicated to. Yes. And I'm largely going to talk about her career up to the mid '70s when she was doing like the folk pop rock stuff before right. becoming more the jazz oriented. I, I didn't go into that part of it, but really she. <laughs> oh, really, Mom? You didn't go into no, the jazz portion? <laughs> yeah, but you know if you if you really like study her music, there, she had like a lot of jazz phrasing. In her singing throughout her whole right, career. right she was heavily influenced by jazz early on uh, my main source for this is the excellent book girls like us by sheila weller it's oh okay. a really good yep. book and it, it chronicles Joni and carol king and carly simon it's a very good book
1: carol king is awesome
0: yeah and we'll probably do carol king in, in the future she's dope all right here we go all
1: right are we ready to dive in everybody
0: yeah yeah let's go uh, Roberta Joan Anderson was born November seventh, nineteen forty-seven, in Alberta, Canada, and she grew up around various Royal Canadian Air Force bases in Western Canada. Oh, uh, she was an army brat. Mm-hmm. For a while, for, for like a while. the first half of her ever childhood, mm-hmm. um, entertainment was pretty scarce. You know, they were pretty remote areas, and mostly it was through these family stories. You know, like the her, her aunts and uncles and people just like chat and stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. Um. And Joan, as she was called then, she listened to the stories about her grandmothers and like they're, the way that they they talked about her grandmothers, uh, both on both sides of their family, being um, somewhat artistic and yet kind of having to let whatever dreams they had go because of raising children. You know, at the time, you couldn't control your you know when right. you had children, and so she kind of, that kind of she kind of took that like as. A cautionary tale? A cautionary yeah. tale, and also part of her obligation to fulfill the promises that they didn't fulfill. And that's always been something that kind yeah. of was a compelling force in her life. That's interesting. Um, she she had like, an obligation not to fall into the same traps you right. know, of motherhood and marriage. Um, She contracted polio during an epidemic in Canada, and when she was hospitalized for weeks... Yuck. And she had always been an artistic child, and her mother kind of pushed her a little bit. Her mother was not quite a stage mother, but very much like a, you know, was um, somebody that would like she wanted the best for her child. Joni was Joan was her only child. I don't know what something fell over, and um, weird, and the house isn't burning down, so we'll keep going. <laughs> not yet, <laughs> and um, so her mother was always like, you know, I'm. I want you to do the best, so I'm really going to push you in. Like, if I see you're interested in something, I'm going to push you a little harder. I see. And her mother was like very, very middle class, very like obsessed with keeping her house clean and yeah, like, things that had to look right. She, yeah,
1: she's, I would argue, kind of a perfectionist, it sounds a bit, like. okay. A bit,
0: yes. Um, but this enforced bed rest with the polio really caused her to kind of start looking inward for her inspiration. Right. About how old would she be at this point? She was about, uh, I think around nine, eight or nine. Um, and as she recovered from polio, she started to get an interest in music. She'd always been interested in like painting and drawing. Right. But she started to develop an interest in music and it was kind of sparked by both Rachmaninoff and Edith Piaf. Okay, cool. Um, so by age 11, the family had settled in Saskatoon. Saskatoon. Saskatoon is a lot of so Canadian say. Names. Oh, yeah. That's fun um, to say, too. So. But her father was now working as a grocer. And Joan wasn't, she wasn't super great at school. Like the <laughs> really rigid structure. Yeah, that really rigid yeah. structure didn't really work well for her. But she had a writing teacher in high school who encouraged her to write poetry. Right. And he pushed her to not fall into the cliches, but to write what they called in your own blood. Okay. Which is like a phrase bar- borrowed from Nietzsche. Oh, okay. Which basically that means that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. From what you know, don't like if you're gonna describe uh, a sunset, don't just go, you know, like fall into those cliches right, of you know the red and gold. I see. know that. Yeah. Like like pull it out of your own experience. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I see.
1: Most uh most creative types don't do great in school. <laughs>
0: True. As, True. I
1: can attest. Yes. As yes. a creative type who didn't do well in school. Yep. Hi.
0: Yep. <laughs> but I mean, not. You know, like, you can't say. Not all. No, I think no, no, most. Yes, most. Most. Yes. Yep. We don't talk in absolutes because everybody falls. Out. There's always something I that know. falls outside the norm. So. I know. In high school, she changed her name to Joni. She oh. Okay. To be called Joni, and that's J O N I. Yep. And around her junior year, she bought a ukulele and a Pete Se- Seeger songbook. That's adorable. Yeah. And she eventually taught herself guitar, but the polio had weakened her left hand. Yep. So she devised alternate tunings to compensate for that, which also kind of made her have a really unique sound. She's got a very unique sounding guitar playing. Well, yeah, Yeah. because she
1: was forced, not forced, but definitely needed to adjust. Yeah. Which I think Mm -hmm. is usually how um, you get that unique sound is like some kind of... Adjusting, or if you're just fucking around, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, out of high school, she'd started, but by, by the time she was out of out of high school, she started waitressing at the Louis Riel, which is a folk club, and she kind of started transitioning from being that middle class girl to being a little more bohemian, a little more cool, hippy dippy. Yeah, just by work. I mean, she's working in a folk club. It's kind of know. yeah. It's you're, hard to not be yeah, influenced, in a club. right? Yeah. She started performing folk music and was also going to gigs by jazz musicians. She later said, my jazz background began with one of the early Lambert, Hendrix, and Ross albums. Mm. Um, That album, the hottest new group in jazz, was hard to find in Canada. So Joni said she saved up and bought it at a bootleg price. She considered that album to be my Beatles. I learned every song off of it. And I don't think there is another album anywhere, including my own, on which I know every note and word of every song. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huge influence. Oh, yeah. Um, But she was still looking to do, like, art as her career. I think music was just, like, a sideline. Right. And she started attending the Alberta College of Art in Calgary in 1963.
1: I've heard that's a really lovely art school still.
0: i never heard of it. Yeah, I've
1: heard of it. I've heard it's really nice. Yeah. Super, you know.
0: Yeah. But at the time, the school kind of emphasized technical skill over creativity. I'm sure. Yeah, it's changed, it's changed and, a
1: bit. I think that yeah, they still do I mean, do a little bit more technical skill, which is what makes it so unique. Yeah. You don't see a lot of art colleges that are technically based. Yeah. At least not too much in the states. Yeah. Um, so it's neat. It's yeah. A, it's a nice college.
0: It didn't. It didn't work for her. No. You know, like I said, I an it? Iconic class. She does her own thing.
1: I Always. know that an, a technical art college
0: doesn't work for everyone. Well, yeah, you are well aware of that. <laughs> but by age twenty, she dropped out of school after only a year.
1: Hey, me and Jody might be
0: twinsies. <laughs> yeah, it's a decision. <laughs> Except that much... for the deaf, tone deafness of <laughs> me. <laughs> this decision wasn't really pleasing pleasing her parents. as You can expect. <laughs> oh, it wasn't. No. Really? Man, Jody, I feel
1: you <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we didn't. We didn't. No, 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 yeah. no, no. You guys were very sweet about it. Yes.
0: Um she continued to play gigs as a folk musician on weekends at her college and at the local hotel, and she had even made a few appearances on local TV and radio shows in Calgary. Right. After dropping out of college, she told her mother that she intended to be a folk singer in Toronto, and she left Western Canada for the first time in her life taking the 3-day train ride, 3 days. Yeah. Ride.
1: Canada's fucking huge. I know it I is. I feel like people think it's, like, a lot smaller than it is. It's huge. Yeah, I
0: took, a, like, a 30-some bus ride I know you did. to uh, Winnipeg I know you when did. I was, like,
1: When you're, 19, like, 19?
0: To go to a Kate Bush convention. <laughs> What's, let's hit all of the
1: things that sound like something a 19-year-old would do. Hmm. Three hour bus trip yeah. to Canada. No, this wasn't three-hour. I said 30.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you said three.
1: Sorry. 30, no, 30-hour 30 <laughs> yes. bus trip to Canada. To go to a convention for a very, uh.
0: Not well known. Not well known
1: <laughs> in not only that day and age, but also in the States.
0: Yeah. yeah or this Canada. Is like, like 84, I think? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's some really fun. <laughs> That's crazy.
1: That's a very 19 year old thing to do, though. Yeah. I
0: don't know if I was 19. Was I
1: 19 then?
0: I was young. Anyway. It's still a teen. That's For a sure. Teen... That's, that's like a, that's like a yeah, 18 to like 21 thing to do. Insane. For sure. Okay. Um, so she had a three-day train ride to Ontario. While on the train, Joni wrote her first song day after day. Oh, okay. Something to do. Yeah. But breaking into the music industry was difficult even then. You well, know, yeah. Um, Without the money to pay for the musicians' union fees, she was mostly stuck playing non-union gigs in church basements and YMCA meeting halls. There's just some cities that have, like, this thing where the clubs won't book anybody that's not a member of the union. I I think Los Angeles is like that, too. Really? Yeah, so it's really difficult to get gigs because you can't get booked until you're a member of the union. And then, of course, conversely, you can't really join the union until you make enough money.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, is it... Similar to the Actors Guild or no?
0: Um, yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. I mean, like, if you're like where we're at, we're in Columbus, Ohio. If you're a member of like uh one of the acting uni- unions, it's gonna be hard to find gigs because we don't book a lot of union members. right? You know, but if you are in Los Angeles, it's hard to get a job without without it. without it. I see. It. Yeah. I see. I think that's kind of the situation she's got going here.
1: I didn't know that there was a musician's union. I mean, I guess it makes sense.
0: Yeah, some places do. I just didn't know that that
1: was a thing. So, huh.
0: Um, Each city's folk scene tended to give veteran performers the exclusive right to play their signature songs, despite not having written that song. And her best traditional material was already claimed by other singers, and so she decided to write her own songs. Yeah. So, like, if you're, like, let's say I'm going to pull out a super well-known song, let's say I'm known for singing Green Sleeves, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, so because I get known for singing this song, when a when a when club books another group, like or another singer, yeah. and she says, well, I'm going to do Green Sleeves, they're like, oh, no, 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 this Lori is has Lori, that yeah. one. You can't sing that song. And she's like, but I sing it really well. And they're like, I don't give a shit. We've already decided that's her signature song. This is like the
1: Wild one. West of copyright. It's a little weird. Point. Yeah, it's
0: a little weird. <laughs> Um, especially for traditional songs, I yeah. think that's real strange. Like I said, <laughs> and that's
1: like the wild west of of copyright because, like, wouldn't I mean nobody would own traditional songs. Like there was that whole thing of like like we don't nobody owns Happy Birthday anymore. Yeah. There for a while people did. Yeah, yeah. But it would be it's weird that they almost wanted to put that on somebody. It's like yeah. they wanted to enforce the copyright rules. On songs that weren't theirs. Yeah. Which you can't do. Exactly. Unless
0: you're Disney. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's real strange. Very anyway, weird. Um, by late 1964, uh, Joni discovered that she was pregnant by her Calgary ex-boyfriend, Brad McGrath. McMath, sorry. <laughs> she She later wrote, he left me three months pregnant in the attic room with no money and winter coming on, only a fireplace for heat. The spindles of the banister were gap-toothed, fuel for last winter's occupants. Yuck. By in February 1965, she gave birth to a baby girl, naming her Kelly Dale Anderson, and then, unable to provide for her, she placed her up for adoption. Yeah. Uh, while Joni didn't really talk about it, the experience, she did write about it in several songs, most notably Little Green, which she performed for years during the 1960s and eventually recorded for the 1971 album Blue. Sometime by the end of her pregnancy, inspired by Neil Young's song Sugar Mountain, she began to write a song with a sense of longing for something lost, which developed into the song The Circle Game. Oh, okay. Yeah. That
1: sucks. That's a hard that's a hard choice. Yes. I would assume.
0: Yes, very much so. You know, and I think that's a lot of, you know, Joni it was really hard. She's struggled with it for years. Oh, and, well, yeah. And um I think that she felt like I think she wanted to keep her child. I think she just went, I can't provide for this child. I right. I can't. You know, I just, I don't have the money to do it. You Which
1: know? is a that's honestly such a mature decision yeah. and like yeah. very, uh, very appreciative. Yes. You know, to, to think, yeah. think that way. So. In
0: 1993, an old roommate sold the story of the b- adoption to a tabloid magazine. Nice. Lovely. Her daughter, renamed Kiloran Gibb, had already begun a search for her biological parents, and Joni and her daughter met in 1997. After the reunion, Mitchell said that she lost interest in songwriting. Oh. Yeah. She later identified her daughter's birth and her inability to take care of her as the moment when her songwriting inspiration had really begun. I think it was, I'm in so much pain and turmoil from this thing. Right. That the only release is a creative release. I mean, she had been writing songs before, right. then, but I think that really kind of spurred her into a, huh. a more. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. To be a little more prolific about it. To be, like I said, it was like a a, a pressure valve.
1: Yeah. Un- unfortunately, there is a thing in a lot of art communities, a lot of artists' communities, of if you're not experiencing, uh, like, this sadness or loss or whatever it is that you can be as creative as you were. Which is completely yeah. oh, no, untrue. It's definitely, it's
0: definitely a trope. I think I think what it is more is is not so much about, you know, you can't create art unless you've got pain. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Right. But I do think that when you are in a turmoil time frame that you look for the outlet that takes your mind off of it. And so you can tend to be a little more prolific. You can. In those time yes. I think when you're in a happy state, it's easier to become like complacent, just be like, oh, I'm not going to take the time to work on something because you know, everything's it, great. Yeah, it
1: can be, you but know, it is more of a
0: spur. It's more of
1: a else. spur, but it is one of those things like, uh, as somebody who is an artist mm-hmm. and also suffers from depression, there for a long time, and this is something that depression will tell you, don't listen to it, is, oh well, without without me, without depression, you can't create, which yeah. is unbelievably untrue. I'm on Zoloft and I'm still doing art oh, yeah. all the fucking oh, yeah. time. Yeah. So like you know that's such a, a trope. A trope. Yeah. And it can be really hard to get over that hump. Yeah. Yeah. But I promise you, you can still fucking create even if you're on antidepressants. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact like I said, I think
0: it's more of a spur to keep yourself working as opposed to. Oh yeah, to just it totally like, can be. Hey, everything's great. I've got you know, I don't want to take the time.
1: Oh, it totally can be, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But you know, I would rather be mentally happy than anything else. Oh sure. So sure.
0: It, like it all it means is that when you if you do want to like create something, whatever it is, whatever your outlet is. And you are in this happy place. You just kind of have to like force yourself a little more. Oh, that's right. You know, true. you have to be like, I have to, I have to put aside time to do this because your, your brain isn't forcing you to, to look for the distraction. Right. I got gotcha. you. So you've got to be like, no, I have to, you know, I have to give myself that. And I think, I think having a creative outlet, whatever it is, is extremely important to everybody's. Oh, for sure. Well-being. For yeah. sure. Yeah. I think everybody needs an outlet. You know. For
1: sure. Yeah. Oh, even if it's like your creative outlet is doing like Sudoku or something.
0: Oh sure. Absolutely. That's a creative outlet. Absolutely. You know.
1: Yeah. I think that's such a a hard thing to explain to people who are like, Oh, well, I can't draw. It's like yeah. okay. Yeah, it doesn't
0: have to be like the specific yeah. like the arts that are set out. Yeah. For us to be
1: It's you like, know. great, I can't do math, but Yeah. I'm not gonna sit down and try and do it. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. I'm not forcing people to try artwork or whatever you know oh yeah like do whatever feels
0: comfortable yeah to you. yeah okay anyway sorry um around early 1965 she met american folk singer chuck mitchell and they started a relationship and began playing music together and i think around this time too like she had the baby wasn't actually hadn't been adopted yet it was in like a uh, i guess i'm gonna say like a foster situation hmm. and when she met chuck mitchell i think that her Joni partly wanted him to be like let's go get the baby and make a family. And part of her was like, Oh no, I don't want to just be a wife and mother. Right. And, um, and he was also like, not really saying, let's go do this. And there was parts, like parts of her were feeling like I want him to just kind of take charge and, and let's go get the baby. Right. And parts, and because he wasn't doing that, she felt like he was rejecting the fact that she had the baby. He probably just wasn't ready. I think that's the, the no. situation. And it was just like a lot of, you know, and of course they're both trying to establish their careers at this point. Right. And yeah, it was just a lot. Um, but anyway, they started playing music together. They married in 1965 in his hometown of Detroit, Michigan. And she was now 21 years old and she took his surname. So oh, okay. she wasn't Joni Anderson anymore. Right. She was Joni Mitchell. Um... She said, I made my dress and bridesmaids' dresses. We had no money. I walked down the aisle brandishing my daisies. Aww. So while they were living in Detroit, they were regular performers at area coffee houses. And Joni began playing and composing songs in alternate, alternative guitar tunings taught to her by a fellow musician, Eric Anderson. And she was featured several times on the CBC television program Let's Sing Out in 1965 and 1966. But the marriage and partnership was really kind of falling apart. Right. Um, Chuck Mitchell was eight years older than Joni. And they kind of had that, like, Star is Born scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, he was initially more successful. and But as her songwriting ability grew, she started to outpace right. him. She started to get offers to play by herself and not with him. And, you know. Right. Yeah. Was, Have I told the uh, Star is Born? Sorry. I, believe you, I believe you have. I couldn't um, remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, so and much fun. tensions surrounding the decision to ultimately not claim her daughter also damaged the relationship. In, her, in early 1967, the marriage was dissolved, and Joni moved to New York City to follow her musical path as a solo artist. She played venues up and down the East Coast, becoming well-known for her unique songwriting and her innovative guitar style. Yeah. And if you listen to like, those early Joni's, her, her guitar sounds like nothing else. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, folk singer Tom Rush had met Joni in Toronto and recorded her song, Urge for Going, and other artists who recorded Joni's songs in the early years were Buffy St. Marie, who recorded The Circle Game, David Von Rock, who's recorded Both Sides Now, and Judy Collins, who also recorded Both Sides Now, which was a top ten hit, and she also recorded Michael from, Mountain, from, from Mountains and Chelsea Morning. And, like, I was never a huge Joni fan when I was younger because the one song that everybody said, Oh, that's a Joni Mitchell song was both sides. Now. And it was the, um, Judy Collins version.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And like, as a kid, that was like as an older, obviously, you know, that was like the song that your parents listened to. And it just seemed real like schmoopy and blah, blah, I think both sides. Now is not one of Joni's better songs myself, but also it was like, that's like old people's music. You know, right. I'm not going to listen to that. And also I think part of that has to do with nothing against Judy Collins. She's a lovely voice, but it didn't, some of that, like the longing that that song has.
1: It didn't convey. It didn't
0: convey. And it just seemed like it's just pretty.
1: Like another poet. like love song kind yeah, of deal. Yeah. Okay.
0: So. I could see that. Yeah. So it took me until I was well into an adult before I really became appreciative of Johnny right. Mitchell. And a lot of that was like, um being a kate bush fan there was always so many people that compared kate to mm-hmm. Joni mitchell and i don't think in terms of the a lot of that was just because oh kate's a unique singer songwriter who else can we compare to oh there's only one other Joni mitchell I don't at, think... at that time female artist yes. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so in terms of like both writing personal songs yeah. You know, um, I think there's a comparison there, but I don't really think there's a lot of similarities between the two.
1: Musically, them. I would argue, no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, so, like I said, it did take me a while before I really got into her music. Right. So. But I love her now, so. Hey, there you go. <laughs> you had a journey. Yeah. The one night when Joni was playing in Florida, David Crosby walked in, and he was blown away by her music, and he took her back to Los oh. Angeles, and he introduced her to some of his friends in the music industry. Um, hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited one time we'll, we'll eventually get to Crosby stills and Nash cuz I think David Crosby is a pretty amazing person. He's a cool dude. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. Steven Stills is a dick. Um, well, anyway, There's always one.
1: <laughs> there's always one that's like anyway, neutral, one that's wrong. great and one that's an
0: asshole. So it was a neutral chaos. Yeah, <laughs> see. Okay. Um Soon she was being managed by Elliot Roberts, and then she was signed to the reprise label. And her debut album was released in March 1968, and sometimes it's called the Joni Mitchell album, sometimes it's called Song to a Seagull.
1: Yeah, I've only heard it called the Joni Mitchell album.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just as, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't this, know why. <laughs> around this time, she became involved with Graham Nash of the Hollies. Oh, okay. In the spring of 1968, she bought a house in Laurel Canyon, and in July, Graham moved in with her. Oh, ooh! I, my voice did something really weird. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, one night, their friends David Crosby and Stephen Stills came over, and after singing together, mm-hmm. the guys formed the wildly successful Crosby, Stills, and Nash, sometimes right. accompanied by Neil Young. Um, and Joni had written a song, like a uh, well, I'll, we'll get. I think it comes later on. Oh, okay. Um, well, like, like. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, were invited to play Woodstock. Joni didn't play, but she wrote the song Woodstock. And, I see. And then they recorded. They that recorded song. it, and then she also recorded it too. But they're very different versions of the yeah. song. Yeah. So, and I think they're both good. Um, Graham wrote the song Our House about this time. Oh, okay. Together. But in those days, settling down for women meant not working, and meant staying home, and it meant raising children. And Joni wasn't interested in these things. Right. And although Graham didn't overtly make these demands, it's ultimately two creative people at their peak is really hard to do. Relationship, a relationship. wise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And on a on a tip, trip to Greece, Joni met and had a fling with Carrie Raddis, and that kind of ended her time with Graham. She, I mean, she wrote him a letter or something. Yeah. like, yeah. This fine. isn't, isn't yeah. working. For yeah. sure, it happens. Um she toured steadily to promote her album and she released her second album Clouds in April of 1969. And this album contained Joni's own versions of some of her songs that had already been recorded and performed by other artists like Chelsea Morning, Both Sides Now and Tin Angel. Right. Joni also designed and painted the covers of both of these albums, which is something she continued throughout her career. I didn't career. know that. Yeah, almost all of her album covers she, she painted, painted. And a lot of them are self-portraits, too. Yeah, so. I knew they were
1: a lot of self-portraits. I didn't realize that she nope, was the one the who one. did them. That's really yeah, cool. She's the one who
0: did them. Look at her. Yeah, she's a very accomplished painter. Yeah.
1: Well, she said she's been doing it, you know, yeah. she said she's been oh, doing yeah. it forever. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: You know. Um. In at, March. So, at one know. point... Uh, when you've been doing it for like 10 years, you're going to see an improvement no matter what. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: of course. Um, in March 1970, Joni won her first Grammy Award for Best Folk Performance for the album Clouds. And in April, Reprise released her third album, Ladies of the Canyon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And her sound was starting to incorporate some more percussions, more backing vocals and overdubs. And like the first two albums are pretty much her and her guitar. And Straight folk, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is a move... Uh, From the strictly acoustic folk music towards an increasing pop rock sound She was composing more songs on the piano And that album included her version of her song Woodstock Mm -hmm. And her song The Circle Game And Big Yellow Taxi Which has its its now famous line They paved paradise and put up a parking lot Right Ladies of the Canyon became Joni's first gold album Selling over half a million copies Wow Yeah. She made a decision to stop touring for a year and just write and paint, and the song she wrote during this time appeared on her next album, Blue, probably her most Most famous famous album, album, released in June of 1971. Blue was an almost instant critical and commercial success, peaking in the top 20 of the Billboard album charts in September and also hitting the British top three.
1: I think everyone goes through their blue period <laughs> yeah of listening to that album of uh, quite a sure. few times for maybe sure. especially i would argue if you're somebody who really likes uh art or art i can't talk um uh, music history yeah because you know you do tend to go back and you know and that's that album i listened to that album a lot yeah yeah like five years ago or something yeah yeah
0: the first song was the single was Carrie, and the album focused on Joni's voice and the emotional weight of the songs like All I Want and The mm-hmm. Case of You. Case of You. <sighs> yeah, yeah. It
1: makes me, like, not anymore, but back in the day, it made me sob, cry. Yeah. And there's a, I think Nico Case did a cover of it that's also quite beautiful. Could be.
0: Could be. I think that's a pretty, it's a pretty common word.
1: covered. Yeah. But uh, Nico Case has got a very lovely voice. And yeah. It's a very good cover.
0: Um, rarely do artists bear themselves As Joni did on this album It's a very personal yes. album And it included the song Little Green Which is the song about her daughter about her Which daughter. is a heartbreaking song Yeah that <laughs>
1: song's really rough If you're in like a sad mood Maybe don't listen to that album Yeah, Because I remember <laughs> the first time I listened to it I was like not in a great headspace And I just sobbed yeah. And then yeah. I was like I need to maybe not Yeah. It was rough <laughs>
0: Uh, she started touring again, and she played some of the songs that ended up on her next album, For the Roses, released in October 72, with a single, You Turn Me On, on a radio. And I think that was, like, when she was trying to, like, I think she was told, hey, maybe you should have a an album hit. Right. Like, a, like a, something that gets played on the radio. I mean, trying out some yeah, stuff, you she know. Up with that. Which, it peaked at number 25 on the Billboard charts in February of 1973.
1: And that's around the time you would try out some, you know, what she had, fourth album, fifth album?
0: This is yeah, I think this is the fourth fourth fifth
1: fifth album. Fifth album. That's around the time I could see somebody being like, I'm gonna try out some new.
0: Well, and also I think that um because Blue was so personal and so like raw.
1: Oh, to take a step back. I think that
0: she was yeah yeah like yeah let's let's go in like a different direction for sure yeah um her next album Court and Spark was released in January '74. And it included two of her biggest hits, "Help Me," yep. which peaked at number seven, and "Free Man in Paris," which yep. I think was written about David Geffen? Was it? I think so. I think it was a, co- a comment he made about, you know, um, like like I'm real successful now, but my favorite time was when I was just living in Paris and oh, I see, you know, like not didn't have all these responsibilities. Basically what the song's about. I gotcha. Um, but this album also started her increasing move towards jazz and jazz fusion. Right. In January of 1975, Court and Spark received four nominations for Grammy Awards, including the Grammy Award for Album of the Year. Oh, wow. And this is where I'm going to end on Joni. Um, throughout the course of her career, she's won nine Grammy Awards. That's a lot. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997. Mm-hmm. And was awarded the Companion of the Order of Canada, Canada, Canada's highest civilian honor. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <coughs> sorry for the cough. <laughs> and I was like, I can't. I got. Yeah, know, it's, it's, it's got to happen. <laughs> yeah, so, and I mean, her, obviously her career has continued. Oh, yeah. You know, um, like I said, getting increasingly into the jazz stuff. Yeah. She is kind of semi-retired now. Um, I think she has been for about... Ten years maybe? Probably. Maybe a little bit longer. Um she's suffering from I I don't remember what was it, MS.
1: Is it MS? I think mm, so. That sucks.
0: Um but yeah. Anyway, that's Joni. Yeah. And yeah. she's still
1: around. She's just, you know, yeah, there was taking a, her time. Totally but, fine.
0: There was a, a concert that they did that was like a honoring her whatever birthday it was. A couple years ago, it popped up on P- PBS. Not that long ago, and it had all these that. people, all these famous people right. doing uh, cover songs. Yeah, right, doing her songs. Oh, that's cool. So and it was all right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Any any okay. uh, standouts or nah? no, not? <laughs> no, really. that sucks. Not really. It
0: was just it was all right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like I said, Nico Case does a great cover. Yeah. And if you haven't just listened to Nico, you should just listen to Nico because her voices, her voices. Definitely. And yeah. so Joni Mitchell's voice I think is very beautiful as well
0: Sorry <laughs> Rachel gets progressively further away from it's the microphone I
1: feel like I'm shouting And yeah. I'm like trying to not It's very weird, sorry, yeah, my bad I know,
0: I know that it, it, we're trying to We're trying to figure out how we need how we can boost our volume levels So Yeah, we're uh, working we on it We'll work on that, continue to work on it We just haven't figured out the trick Yeah So other than just like screaming into the microphone <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which is hard because I feel like I have a loud voice anyway yeah. So now I feel like I'm like really projecting and it's yeah. very
0: weird. Yeah. She's just she just gets further and further away from the microphone too, which isn't helpful.
1: I can't help I'm very uh I'm very twitchy as yeah, a person. She's fast. Yeah, I always need to be doing something, so I have a hard time staying yeah. in one spot for a while. Yeah. It doesn't work.
0: Okay, so that's the end of our that's Joni episode. coming back from Joni. I want to yeah. say thanks to Billy Zen for our theme song, Don't I Know You. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Rachel Karn, for our logo. You're welcome. Uh, we have an Instagram, Tales from the Rockside. We have a Facebook. Please like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Yep, really or whatever podcasting that. app
1: you use works yes. too.
0: Recommend us to people, please, please, please. We really want to grow this podcast. That's our yep. goal for the new year. Yep, is to grow the podcast um, and see where we can take it. So, yep.
1: what are your other other goals for this year?
0: For this year, um, well. Let's see. I have a goal of going back to Disney World. Oh, my God. I forgot about <laughs> uh, that. She's already actually, booked. Actually booked two already. She booked two already, already, already. That's like, what I was going to say. She's booked two already. So <laughs> Insane. don't listen to her. Um, and, you know, stay on my diet. Right. Yeah. The no fun stuff. <laughs> um, get get back into doing our walks.
1: Yes. We were taking really good, lovely walks yeah, for a while. Yeah. It kind of got cold.
0: <laughs> it did. It did. I mean, we could bundle up and go. Not
1: today, but we could. <laughs> I'm not doing shit today
0: so what about you Rachel what are your what are your goals uh,
1: I have got some art goals I'm gonna try and continue I've been doing some commission work <gasps> I know it's shocking yes if
0: you if you want want a painting oh God Rachel. yeah if you want a painting
1: <laughs> uh it depends on what it is if it's like a, ma- a shipping thing mom might have to ship it to you and <laughs> I truly am so horrendously terrible at shipping things. Okay. Uh, but if you want digital
0: paintings, you can also contact me. I could, I didn't figure out what you meant by that. I thought you meant like, like if the commission no. is the characters that you're shipping. Oh, I mean, I guess if you want to commission
1: me for like, <laughs> if you feel like commissioning me for porn, you can. I don't not really necessarily porn. Oh, but just like you I know, see.
0: like like oh, I really ship these two characters. Can you do a painting of them? That might together? be we- if I don't like ship. Fan art. If I don't ship them, I might not do
1: it. <laughs> I'm yeah, just saying, it wouldn't be that
0: hard to do. I'm just saying, if it's like
1: yeah. characters that I'm like, no, Then I'm not gonna do it. I also probably won't do furry art. Sorry, it's just not my style. I, yeah, why would you it's want an
0: actual furry animal? Yeah, a I
1: do of like, like animal, portraits. I d- animal portraits are fine. Yeah, I, you're not Humans gonna. Animals. If you see my, if you see my, well, unless you want cats.
0: <laughs> do you want to talk about cats? We <laughs> can talk. I
1: can talk about cats. We thought oh, cats. <laughs> It's, we might have to make that a it's full a horrendous
0: and amazing i feel like at some
1: point we're gonna have to make a full episode that's uh just the wild wild west of fucking broadway adaptations yeah because it is Oof. in goddamn sane. yes it is it's wild yes. cats was wild everyone should go see yes. it <laughs> I think everyone it sh- should it's so fun i had a blast Yep. The whole time I was staring fucking slack-jawed at the horrific animation.
0: I have read things people have said that you enjoy it more if you weren't a fan of the Broadway show. If you're a fan of the Broadway show, you kind of hate it. I didn't. I'm just saying this is I, this is what I've I've yeah, heard I can see people that. say. But if you've never even if you know nothing, nothing about yeah. the Broadway show, you, you don't know any time. of the, the songs or anything. Then you're kind of like you just kind of take in the. <laughs> The Majesty, the Majesty, and <laughs> uh, spectacle. Spectacles are good. Spectacle. Word. And that, not that you necessarily like it or think it's a good thing. It's just that you don't. Oh, I thought it was fun. Hate it because they've ruined something that you loved.
1: Oh, you know? I mean, for me, because Cats, the Broadway, Broadway yeah. and I never saw it on Broadway. Obviously, yeah. uh, I've never seen it. I've seen it live once, but it was a high school production. So okay. take that as yeah. you will. It was a good high school production, yeah. but, you know. But, um, it's not like Cats wasn't fucking nuts to begin with. It's wild.
0: Yes. Cats is a wild... It's always always been a mess. It's a
1: wild musical. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. And I have mad respect for Andrew Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. But he's a fucking nutcase.
0: Yeah.
1: Respect... But, oh my god. I can't say I have
0: a lot of respect for him. I've got a little
1: bit of respect for him. I, I love Phantom of the Opera so I yeah. feel like
0: I kind of have to yeah. have some respect for the dude, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he has done some cool things. I think, well, in terms of, like, big musical composers of the latter half of the 21st century, <laughs> century, I will take him yeah. over the person that everybody does love. <laughs> 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 um, Who I find very dull. Very boring. At at least when, like, you go to see Andrew Lloyd Webber production, not every song is going to be a reprise of the same song over and over and over again. It's on time. And... um, So I, I, <laughs> so I really appreciate Sorry. that. Like like most of the songs are going to sound different than the song before. The dude also so I do appreciate.
1: That. I will. This is what I think. And is and, the, and I like
0: T. S. Eliot too. I like so, T. S. Eliot. So How are you, you going to? I mean, it's sitting there like on. like dogging on the the cat names and stuff. I think like it's that, fun. These were a set of poems that T. S. Eliot wrote for children. Yeah. And for his own amusement. And it's they, like, it's almost they, the, you know they, it's they're, like they're supposed to be silly. They're supposed to be. That's like the Jabberwocky. Exactly. Exactly. It's a very
1: similar feeling. Yes. yes. So So that doesn't bug me at all. Obviously. Yeah. Um, and like I like the thing I think that's really I I appreciate about Andrew Lloyd Webber. I always want to mix that. Yeah. Uh, is the dude knows how to put on a fucking show. Oh yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll you know, that, you know, he was like. Big sets. He did an entire musical on roller
0: skates. A entire
1: musical on roller skates. <laughs> the and. The characters
0: were trains. <laughs> he. The
1: dude <laughs> likes to get fucking weird with it. Yeah. And I'm gonna give him that. Yeah. It kind of works sometimes. Yeah. I mean, anybody who's like, I'm gonna have a fucking chandelier fall in front of the audience. All right. Yeah. Go big or go home.
0: Yeah. And let's, he let's went make big. A musical about the crucifixion. Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> I love that. I love, I love Jesus Christ Superstar. I forgot
1: about Jesus Christ Superstar. God, I haven't I haven't seen that in a long time. That's a, that one's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the dude. He really he goes for it, yeah. and I can't. I'm not gonna fault him for that because yeah. I appreciate anybody who just goes hard. <laughs> but yeah.
0: All right, we should probably end this thing, Rachel. Yeah, we'll talk.
1: We'll talk about cats. Uh, maybe next, next couple, I don't know, at some point. All right, we'll do like a bad, fun musical one, just yeah. as a good time. Yeah. Because then we can talk about all of the best.
0: You want to do like we'll do it specific to movies, so we can yeah. Talk about all my favorite. Bad all of movies, the best ones. Bad musical movies. I love them. Yeah. Love them so much.
1: I love bad musicals. They're yep. very fun. Yeah. But we'll do it. We'll do a cats, a cats podcast, a cats cast. What? <laughs> Alright, so <laughs> we're... Episode two oh five of the Cats Cast. I can't believe we're
0: watching this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alright, yeah, we're piecing out. Um if you need to if you need to, <laughs> if you want to follow our Instagram. It is Tales from the Rock on Instagram. If you want to follow my Instagram, it is Rach Karn R A C H K-A-R-N. I do art posts sometimes. And then sometimes I just post stupid things. So. Hi. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to plug?
0: No. I think just this podcast.
1: Yeah. Listen so. to this podcast. Yep. Please. And, <laughs> and rock on. Rock on. Yay. Yeah. Yeah.